All of a sudden we hear downstairs, <coughs> I'm sick, I'm not feeling good. You know, Susie and I both, we go, go, go down there and it's like, you know, they're, they're got their blanket over them and they're hacking a little bit. And we struggled so hard because I just didn't trust them. Any of you guys ever have that problem with your kids? Oh, okay, good. This isn't, hey, see, honey, can we feel better now? All right. So, but it was a little bit more enhanced for us because a while ago, they actually did fake us out and act sick and owned up to it later on. And it was so interesting to have a conversation with them right there because we just said, hey, here's why. Because I just said, I just don't know if I, if I trust that you're sick. And they were crying, you know, because how come you don't trust me? And I'm like, because, man, you've done this to me before. And I tell you, isn't that with your kids, man? One of the biggest things we try to help them understand, you guys, if we don't have trust, if I can't trust you, there are huge consequences here. And there's a lack of relationship that can go on without trust. And so it's huge. And here's what we know about God, right? Here's what we know about God. He is all about one thing, relationship. When you get right to the very core of what the Bible's all about, Jesus said it's all about loving him and it's all about loving each other. So it's all about relationship with God. It's all about relationship with each other. So trust is a huge, huge issue. And that's what we're going to look at today. And here's what I'm excited about. Are you guys not excited about this weather? Oh my gosh. Thank you, God. Right? I mean, let's just have the worship right now. Forget the message. Let's just praise God. I mean, seriously, Susie and I walked out. We're like, oh, you know. Just breathing it in. And, uh, and, and here's what's crazy is I, I really do think that the message today has the potential to do this for your soul. I, I, I really do. I, I, I think that there could be some inversion. I think there could be a lot of junk that's going on inside of us and we might not really understand why. Now, you're here at church, and how cool would it be if you walked out of here different than you walked in? And today, how cool would it be if you actually walked out, and what happened when you walked outside today, and you went, oh, wouldn't that be awesome if you walked out of here, you came into church today, and spiritually, you went, oh my gosh, clean air. I finally got some of the smog, got this inversion moved out of me. And I think what God wants to do, well, I know what he wants to do. So now we just got to pray that he'll do it. I believe that God really wants to move in us today to clean out some junk and bring in a deeper intimacy with him. Because I'm telling you, the closer we are to God, the more we trust him. Isn't that interesting, that, that, that line if in the song? If you can't trust, you can't be trusted. And what we're going to learn about today is this whole idea of being trustworthy with our finances. If you're rich, being trustworthy is huge because trust has to do with relationship. So I'm hoping today that we'll walk out of here way closer to Jesus than we were when we walked in. All right? So let's pray for that. God, thank you for your word to us. Thank you for this very, very just interesting, confusing parable that we're going to look at today. And I just pray that you would come and do in our soul what you did for our bodies this morning. I pray that you might blow a fresh breeze into us. May your spirit, like the wind, come and blow out the junk and fill up our sails as we surrender to you like we learned last week. God, today we just want to put up our sails to you and say, God, have your way with us. 
Just do whatever you want to do. So we look forward to hearing from you. We're going to trust you to speak by your grace, by your mercy. Give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So just real quick to recap, you guys, because this is what's interesting. If you look back at the last three weeks, we're doing the series on how to be rich, but really it is all about relationship. If you get to the core of it, the first thing we said is you got to be aware of your richness. <laughs> you got to understand that, that you are financially rich because here's what's happening. If you're financially rich, you can do whatever you want. And what you do with what you have affects everybody around you. So it is all about relationship. And then God comes and he says, not only that, but I've made you spiritually rich so that now you can actually do whatever God wants you to do. And I tell you what, when human beings actually do what God wants them to do, you know what happens? It's all about relationship. And so taking financial richness, being able to do whatever I want to do, and then wanting to do whatever God wants me to do, what you don't realize is your money is always expressed in what you love and who you love. It's all about relationships. So then we talked about being wise. And he, and he said, so don't put your hope in wealth. Put it in God, right? Well, that's about relationship. Do you really actually trust him? Is your hope in him? Are you getting that strength that comes from that? Or are you putting it in stuff? So it's about relationship. And then he says, and don't be arrogant. Because if, if, you, catch, if you get caught up in arrogance, it is demonic. It actually is a source of disorder of every evil kind. Because it messes up your relationships. You start thinking about yourself more than you think about other people. And money affects you and makes you do that. See, isn't this crazy? Like here we are talking about how to be rich. And yet the application, the result is always revolved around relationship. And then last week, we talked about how you have to be careful because money is the greatest competitor for what? Your heart. Your heart. Your devotion. Your love. So Jesus said you can't love both God and money. You can't serve both God and money. See, again, so it's all about when he talks about you gotta be careful with money because it gets inside you and it messes up your love, which is all about relationship. So today, what we're talking about here is the most relational thing, though, of all. And that is we're going to talk about being trustworthy. How do I be rich? Well, Jesus is going to make it really clear here. You've got to be trustworthy. And so if we're looking for intimacy with God, you know, I just, and, um, if you're here today, and you are, your soul is just like, I want to know what it means to follow God. I want to know what it means to be a disciple of Christ. I really want to know him. As we call it here at K2, I want to know, I want to, I want to be focused really on Jesus. And I want to be receiving everything I can from him. I want to be tight in my relationships with each other. And I want to be out there. I want to be making an impact in the world. I really do. Well, here's the whole thing. All of that happens when the Spirit of God and you are intimate. If you're tight with Jesus, you will be focused tight and out there. Because that's just what Jesus was. He loved the Father, he loved people, and he changed the world. So... Partly what I want you to think about as we go through this message is if you're struggling in any of those areas, if you're not fully alive somehow in this connection, in this connection, or if you're doing nothing to change the world, then there's an intimacy problem. There's actually an intimacy problem going on with God. And what's crazy is it could be all revolved around this issue of trust. All right? So here we go. We are going to look at Luke chapter 16, if you have your Bibles. Open up to Luke chapter 16. Um, we, we are back up on version. I don't think it was available last week, but if you want version, um, the um, uh, notes and stuff and the points and everything are on uh, your iPhone or your uh, whatever other device you might have. 
Um, but this, you guys, is a parable that when you first read it, if there's anybody in this room that ever read this first parable and went, oh, I get that. You, I, I mean, you're, you're like, you're, I don't know who you are. Because every commentator I've read, every spiritual giant I've talked to, this is a really funky parable. I, I, the first time I read it, I'm like, that is just weird. I'm going on. <laughs> you know, there's certain things you read in the Bible, you just go, yeah, I'll get to that later when I'm more mature, you know. So, but here we go. We're, let me just read this for you, and then we'll dive in. Jesus told his disciples, so here you are. Let's stop right there. If that's what you call yourself, if you would say, I'm a disciple, which means I'm somebody who follows Jesus. I'm the one, I've given up my life for him, and I've received him, and I go after him. He's talking to you today. He said, there's a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and he asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager anymore. So the manager said to himself, well, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors, and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. And the manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? 1,000 bushels of wheat, he replied. And he told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly, which means wisely. It means you're prudent. You're making a good decision here. For the people of this world are more shrewd, wise, prudent, making good decisions in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. For whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, then who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Now, if you're a manager in this case, you're basically like the CEO and CFO. I mean, you're, you're, when you make decisions, it's binding. You're the one who's in charge of making these investments. And uh, can I just tell you, there, uh, there are so many different theories that different people have on what could this mean and what, you know, trying to figure out the details of this. I'm just going to give you one that I put them all together. I would think this, this seems to make the most sense. There's the possibility that what happened here is the manager was actually putting his own fees into the investment. And, and they did that a lot. So it's like, okay, you owe my master that much, but my fee is this. And you add that in to what the people owe you. So it's not just the owners. And so in the Bible, you guys, takes a very, very dim view on large amounts of interest, okay? It's, the, it's constant warnings about not doing that. So what, what some people have said is what he may have been doing is actually taking out his own fee, so the guy comes in, he says, what? I owe, uh, uh, let's see here, I owe 900 gallons of olive oil. And the manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, make it 450. So what he may have been doing is putting so much of his own interest in there, and what he did is just wipe that out. 
And by wiping that out, three things happen. It makes the debtors happy, right? So they're like, wow, thank you very much. Second thing it does is it makes his master look good. Because <laughs> now they're like, wow, wow, this guy actually took my bill down. And the third thing it does is when this guy loses his job, he gains friends. <laughs> it's a win, win, win. <laughs> the people got blessed, the master got blessed, and he got blessed. And so maybe that's what happened. But here's, here's what's interesting about parables, okay? They're stories. And so they're not actually things that you're supposed to be picking apart all the details on to try to figure out. I mean, when, when Paul is teaching like deep theology, that's when you dive in and you've got to figure out what does every word mean. When Jesus is a, telling a story, he's trying to get a point across, okay? Parables have a point. They're a story, okay? And here's the point after all this week looking at so many different people and what they had to say. The point is what Jesus was saying was this guy was wise with his wealth in a secular framework. He knew what to do with it. And he is more wise with his wealth than you are being with yours. That's what he was saying. This guy gets it. In the secular framework, he knows how to be wise with his money. You guys are children of the light. You guys really should have a greater understanding. And he says, he is so much more wise with what he's doing with his money than you are with what you're doing with your money. You've got to learn how to invest better as children of the light. So, perfect parable for us in this series. How to be rich. Jesus is going to tell us some things here. You've got to be trustworthy. I'm telling you, man, you've got to be trustworthy. We're going to look at three things today that are true in this parable that Jesus is trying to teach us. First one is we're managing somebody else's money. The second thing is we're preparing our future. And the third thing is we're gaining God's trust. That's what you and I are doing right now with the resources that he's given us. We're managing somebody else's money. We're preparing our future. And we're actually gaining God's trust. Let's look at the first one. You and I are managing somebody else's money. Verse 1, Jesus told his disciples... There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So right off the bat, he makes something clear. There's an owner here, and there's a manager. And then what he does is it's very clear that when Jesus explains the parable, that his listeners, his disciples, are being compared to the manager. You all got that, right? So what he's trying to help us understand right off the bat is you don't actually own this stuff. Somebody else does. So the key question that you have to decide, and I'm telling you, this question right here will change everything about how you decide to be rich, okay? It'll change everything. And here's the question. All the money that you possess, whose is it? All the money that you possess, whose is it? The answer to that question right there it sets you on the course of your life. And it's huge. The Bible, you guys, is so clear that if you understand that there's a God, really, if you do believe that, then you'll see that nothing that you possess is yours. It's his. And so partly we just go, we go, wait a second, oh, wait a second. Now, how is that? Because, man, I, I, this is mine. I mean, I worked hard for this. You know, this is my stuff. And so let me just take you a few, a few thoughts. The first thing that you need to remember is 
<clears throat> you're alive. Anybody, right? Y'all alive? See, you're living. You know why you're living? It's very clear. Because God has given you breath today. He's just given you breath today. So just the fact that you're even alive is because of God. You're able to exist. Second thing, if you're working here, and then you're healthy. See, we all know, all of us are unraveling. We just are. And there are issues where people are struggling physically all over the place. But why is he holding you together? If you have health to work, it's because God is continuing to give that to you. And then you have ability. You actually have talent. You have intellect that you can use. And you have a physical body that you can use. And that came from God. And then you have your circumstances. We talked about this recently. Like, why is it that I wasn't born in Africa in the 8th century? Anybody else? Have you ever? I mean, why is it that you're here? The fact that you live where you live, that you had the parents that you had, that you have the opportunity that you have, because you live here in America. (laughs) And you didn't get to choose that. So even your circumstances were given to you by God. And so you have, you've worked hard, but with everything that you've received from him. It's all come from him. Your very existence, your health, your talent, your ability, your circumstances, it all comes from God. In 1 Chronicles 29, 11 through 14, David's getting ready just to to bless and to build the temple. And he says this, everything in heaven and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength at his discretion. Oh, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? For everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. Another great passage, same in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 17 and 18. You may say to yourself, my power and strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And what's crazy, you guys, so from the very beginning, God has just been revealing to us, listen, everything you have, you've you've gotten it from me. The fact that you exist came from me. Your ability came from me. Your circumstances came from me. I actually have given you everything. And David got that. So here's my question to you. And before I, I'll get to the question again. And then Jesus, over and over and over again, said the same thing. Even in this parable, again, you're a manager. And there's somebody else. And it's his money that you're actually managing. He talks about this all the time. You've been given talents. You've been given this. What are you doing with what you've been given? So you've got to answer this question. Everything that you own, all the money that you have, whose is it? If it's yours, then do it. Great. Good luck. But if it's his and you're managing it, then that changes everything. And so if you, if you just think about this, if you're a manager now, now, so because this is, I remember when I first heard this, man, it completely changed how I viewed my money. And what's interesting is if you're a fund manager and you're not using money the way the owner says to, or if you're taking some of that money and you're actually using it more for yourself than what was agreed upon, what do you call that? What would you call that? Yeah, you'd call that stealing, (laughs) wouldn't you? I mean, you'd be going, 
Seriously, I mean, if you gave somebody your money and said, here's what I want you to do with it, and next thing you know, it's like they've been taking the money from you. You're like, whoa, 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 that's not That's my money, and you're robbing from me. See, that's not stinginess. It's robbery. It's not just a lack of compassion. It's a lack of integrity. And so he says what? There was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. What are you doing with his, God's possessions? Are you doing with them what he has asked you to do? Or are you taking everything you've received from God and using it in whatever way you want to? Do you see it as your own? In the Old Testament, Malachi 3, 8, 9 said, Will a mere mortal rob God? That's God saying that. <laughs> Yet you rob me. And all the people said, whoa, 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 whoa. How are we robbing you? And God just said in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. You know what God's saying right there? I can't trust you. I can't trust you. I have given you. I have blessed you. I have rewarded you. I've given you everything that you've got. And all I said was, think about this. Think about this. If somebody came to you and said, hey, I'd love for you to manage my money. And you said, well, what are the terms? And you go, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to invest my money. And then 10% of whatever you get back, you give to me. And then you totally live and take care of yourself on the other 90%. Now, if somebody offered you that job, how many of you would take that job? I mean, you'd be like, are you kidding me? What an amazing job. And here's God going, I've given you everything you've got. I want you to live for it. And then just give me 10% back. And you take care of yourself on the other 90%. And we're like, oh, God. Are you kidding me? This tithing thing, this is ridiculous. Isn't it ridiculous? It's ridiculous. If it's yours. If it's his, it's an honor. Only 10? Are you kidding me? Now you go, no, wait, can I see the fine print there? Are you seriously only 10? Because that's like way too good to be true. Yeah, just 10. See, then we get to the New Testament, right? And we just go, 10, 10%, that was old school. That's not for us anymore. That is so right on. Whoever, if you can think 10% is old school, you are so right on. Because what Jesus said is, yeah, that 10%, that was just kind of like this little benchmark. Now I've made you spiritually rich. Now I've put my spirit inside of you. And you know what I am? I am so stinking generous. It's crazy. So here's what's wild, you guys, is you can totally give and not be generous in your heart at all, but there's no way for you to be generous in heart and not be ridiculously generous financially. It's just, you just can't. Once the Spirit of God comes inside of you and he makes you spiritually rich, you're finally set free to do whatever God wants to do. And God loves the world and he puts this freedom inside of us to not live for ourselves and live for somebody else. So guess what? You're managing somebody else's money. And that's the first thing that Jesus wants you to understand. So how are you doing? Are you trustworthy with that? And I'm telling you, if you can just answer the first question, whose is it, that could change everything. Are you trustworthy? You're managing somebody else's money. Here's the second thing that we learn here is that we're preparing our future. We're preparing our future. Verse 3. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. See, now this is where Jesus is saying he's simply being very wise with his money. 
he's sacrificing what he could have now, okay? I'm going to take my cut, but I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm not going to take what I could have now so that he can give it to others so that he can gain more later. Now, can I just ask you, isn't that simply just a good investment strategy? (laughs) Right? Denying what you could have now, investing it in something that you know is going to give you a greater gain. Isn't that what you all are doing? (laughs) Anybody doing that? (laughs) Okay. All right. So, see, we all know that. And so here's what's going on. So the master commended the dishonest manager in verse 8 because he had acted shrewdly. He was wise. He was prudent. He knew what to do. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are people of the light. The people of this world are more shrewd. I think what Jesus is saying here, you guys, is simply they think about how they use their resources more than people of the light do. They're actually very, very committed to thinking about how can I use my money wisely to get the best gain that I can get. I want long-term benefits with what I acquire. And what Jesus is saying is, and you guys aren't. You're not, good, you're not good with your money. That's all he's saying here. This dude got it. You need to wake up. You need to wake up. You need to be investing in something that's going to give you a long-term gain, is what he's saying. And if you're people of the light, he's simply saying, don't forget what you live for. Don't forget that nothing in this world is going to last. Don't forget that if you invest your money into something that will have value forever. Now that's preparing your future. Do you guys follow this? So learn some good investment principles and apply them to what you understand as somebody who gets what eternity is all about. In another place, Jesus said this, don't store up treasure here on earth where where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven. And I was listening to a message on this, and and one guy just said, you know, now that's good logic, right? I mean, let's think about this for a second. Like, if you believe there's an eternity, right, and you know that you're going to be down here, like, for this, and then you're going to live forever, it's pretty good logic to go, man, maybe I should actually live for, you know, do stuff that's going to invest forever, and not, because you know that nothing here is going to last. And even though that's good logic, and if there is a God, of course, I should think that way, what's interesting is, that doesn't move you. It's not opening up your wallet. (laughs) It's not making you say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to store up treasure in heaven. No moths down here. You guys remember mothballs? Anybody remember mothballs? My grandma, addict, total mothball. That's not moving you. But look what he describes. It's going to happen in heaven. Verse 9. He says, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. So you guys, you know what's going you know to be in heaven? People. Not your house, not your job, not your cars. People. Friends. <laughs> Get to hang out with you in heaven, Dave. Honey, you and me. We get to hang out in heaven. 
And you all know this. Everybody knows this. Don't freak out on me. Not you guys, the mic. <clears throat> Here's what you know. That a rich person who has no friends is actually poor. <laughs> that the richest people in life are the ones who are surrounded by love. And our love is struggles down here, but for eternity, love is going to be amazing. And what Jesus is saying is, wait, don't, don't, don't forget, invest, make friends with your money. Because friends are the thing that are going to be lasting forever. They're the ones who will welcome you, and sometimes you'll welcome us. Steve and Linda Groff, I don't know if you guys know them. Sweet Steve went to be with Jesus this morning. If you know Steve's white box, sits right there every time in the white box with oxygen tank. He and Linda were the ones that helped lead our uh, ministry down at Pioneer Park, feeding the homeless every Sunday. Um, His lungs just stopped working. And... uh, and he's home. I'll be with him forever. What are you invested in? See, the greatest value of all is relationship. It's all about love, and the greatest pain is separation. Love and relationship that lasts forever is the greatest investment that you can make. There's a quote here by a guy named Michael Wilcock, and he says, here's the point. Although these things, your property, your ability, and the time, belongs to this life only, What will happen to you then when you pass into the afterlife will depend on what you were doing with them here and now. Make sure that your use of your money brings you into a fellowship of friends that will survive beyond death. That's what Jesus is saying here, you guys. What are you doing with your money? Because I can tell you this, man. If you give it to God, you know what God does with money? He changes people's lives. That's what he does. So he says, trust me in this and be trustworthy with this. So you guys, so just some practical application, okay? Put your money in people's needs. Do you know Jesus said that? He goes, because here's the deal. When you give to somebody who's in need, what did he say? You're doing it to who? He says, you do that to me. There's something really crazy spiritually. Every time you take care of a need of somebody else, Jesus says, you did it for me. When you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. So man, get out there and build this relationship with God. Build this intimacy with God by actually caring for people's needs. Put your money into mending people's hearts. Because sometimes it's not just the physical needs that have, but people are dying inside from the brokenness of this world. And put your money into what connects people to God. Because really, it's going to be when, when your money is tied to God's word, his truth, his revelation of the good news of Jesus Christ. When your money makes that happen, then people actually have a chance to hear the gospel. And then, the next thing you know, they can put their faith in God. And when people put their faith in God, you've gained a friend forever. <laughs> you guys you see where this is going? Can I, I'm, I'm just going to say, that's one of the reasons I think it's worth investing in this church. Because one of the things that God does with K2, the church, is constantly engage with people who are wondering if Jesus could be the real thing. Every Sunday, this Sunday, somebody will be here for the first time. Somebody will be. And somebody will be checking this place out, and they're going to be freaking out because they can't believe they walked into a church. And they're going to have a chance to hear about the love that God has for them in Christ. That he wants to forgive them of all of their sin and reconnect with him. I mean, so when you give to this place, one of the things that you know happens here is that God uses this place to get his word out so that people can get their life connected to God. 
when you give to K2, because that's what God said. Here's how, here, one way you do it is you just tithe. You just give 10%. Trust me. Trust the church. I know, and that's where we're all like, that's why I don't give anything. Because <laughs> the church is not trustworthy. So you guys can know, man, you can look at our books any day you want. You can check them out. They're wide open for you. We have audits every year, so you know they can be true. Because we want you to at least be able to trust us. But more importantly, we want you to invest in your future. We want to help you know that you were being faithful as a steward of God's resources and you were actually pouring it into people so that people's lives could be changed forever. And that's what Jesus is saying in this parable. You're preparing your future. Now here's a cool thing. It's not only you. Of course you want to be with your friends, you know. But guess who else cares about people? That would be God. This is one of those times where that's the right answer. It's, it's, it's God. And God, you guys, is so longing to give people his resource who he can trust with it so that it'll go out and do what he wants to do with it. And so here's the last thing. And this is so interesting. We are gaining God's trust. Verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who, meaning God, is going to trust you with true riches? And if you haven't been trustworthy with somebody else's property, who's going to give you property of your own? See, here's what's interesting, you guys. Here's what I know about trust. <clears throat> if you prove yourself trustworthy to me, you know what you get? More of me. Don't you? If you're trustworthy, if I test the waters with you and you prove yourself trustworthy, then I'm going to trust you. And then the next thing you know is you get more of me. I tell you what, anybody, anybody know a good mechanic? Right? Seriously. Two hands went up. Let's talk. No, I, because, but here's what's crazy. We actually do. But it took us a while. We drive all the way to Saratoga Springs whenever our car is busted. You know why? Because Ross Hainer is totally trustworthy. And when Ross proved trustworthy, you know what he gets? He gets our business. He gets our cash. And what's cool is we just really enjoy him. And so just recently, I was driving uh, right after Christmas, man. Susie and I could not, our van, it was like when you drove it, it just felt like it was going to lose control. I mean, you just, you just, I mean, I'm going 30 miles an hour. And if you hit a bump, you're we're like, what is going on? Well, I'm not driving to Saratoga Springs, right, in that car. So Jeff Loomis, a good friend here at K2s, go, hey, you know what? I have somebody, what, that I trust. Okay, great. So I take it over to this guy, and he checks it out. He does one thing, and he works on it. I drive it away. Whoa, it's still not working. I take it back to him, and they find out that our axle actually was cracked. Our rear axle was cracked. He could take it and bend it like this with his hands. That's how dangerous this thing was, you know. But here's what's crazy. You know what I did? Is I had him call who? Ross. Send, him, send Ross a picture, because <laughs> I trust Ross. And the guy did a great job, and now I trust him. Because, and you know why I went to him in the first place? Is because I trusted who? Jeff, you guys are following the story. Good, that's kind of hard. See, but this is the point. If I can trust you, you get me. And the same thing is true with relationship. Holy smokes. Who gets me more than anybody? 
Susie does. Because I trust her. She's so proven to be unfathomably trustworthy with my deepest stuff. I'll never forget the day when I went to a party in high school one night instead of the youth group thing that I told my mom I was going to go on. And you know moms know everything. So two days later, and I had a great relationship with my mom, and I'll never forget, I sat on the bed. She came in. I was in bed. She came in late. and Dave, what did you do Friday night? Oh, I went to the youth group thing, which I did. What else did you do Friday night? <laughs> I, went, I went to this party. Got a ride home from my younger brother and went. And all she said was, you know what, Dave? Because one of the things we've loved is that we've always been able to trust you. And now we're not so sure. And she got up and she walked out. <coughs> Killed me. I'll never forget. I got on the phone the next morning, called my girlfriend and said, never again. Never again. So if God came, sat on your bed with you tonight, said, hey, what are, you, what are you doing with my stuff? How you doing? You stewarding it like I asked you to? I made you spiritually rich. I put my very spirit inside of you to empower you to be ridiculously generous. How you doing? Uh, he knows how you're doing. And according to the scripture, he says, if I can't trust you with worldly wealth, I am not going to trust you with true riches. Because Jesus said this crazy thing. He said, wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Do you guys know that? You don't have to wonder where it is. You can say, I love God. And what Jesus knows is, wherever your treasure is, that is where your heart is. So that's why God can say in this parable, If you're not trustworthy with your money, the reason is because I know I don't have your heart. And if I don't have your heart, the last thing I'm going to do is trust you with stuff that really matters. You know what really matters? It's people. You know, the only thing you're going to care about when you're with me forever, he says, is people. And yet you thought somehow that you could take my money and spend it all on yourself. My money. Even though I made you spiritually rich and gave you my spirit, somehow you thought that if you took everything you had and invested it in stuff that's going to be gone when you die, that that was going to be the way to live. And if you can just be totally honest with yourself, some of you in this room, that's how you live. And here's what's beautiful. That's like inversion of your soul. I could taste it this week. Couldn't you taste it? No, that's when you know it's bad. Like, And God says inversion in your soul is when things got turned upside down and you're actually living for yourself and it's just gross. And I want to come in and blow a storm and blow it all out, put my fresh wind and my spirit in. So you can finally be free from that so that you will understand you're managing my money. And you can understand that you really do want to invest in your future. Make a good investment in something that's going to last forever and as people. 
And here's what will happen. If you do that, then I'll know I have your heart. And if I have your heart, oh, then you're going to get more of me. That's what God's saying. Started off today saying, you know, you could have more intimacy with God than you had when you walked in here. And one of the things that could be keeping you from feeling the power of God's spirit in your life is the fact that he just knows right now he can't trust you yet. But if you'll make the decision to say, God, thank you for waking me up today. What was I doing? (laughs) I had no idea this was all yours. Okay, it's yours. What do you want me to do with it? Oh, you want me to invest generously in ministry that cares for people's needs and that gets the gospel out so people can come to heaven with me so I get to be with my friends? Yes. Oh, cool. I'm in. If you take that step, I guarantee you right now, the Spirit of God will bring a freshness to your soul and Jesus will give you more of himself, more responsibility, more opportunity. And when you have more of that, you'll have more people with you in heaven. And people, I'm glad you've heard this today, because when you're sitting there one day, you'll never be able to say, what was that? I didn't know this. (laughs) You know this. So let's be good stewards, huh?